Good morning, everyone. It's great to be gathered this morning. It's, uh, it's a typical Nova Scotia January day. It, the wind could blow, it could snow, the sun could come out, it could rain. It could, all things could happen in the same day and probably will. <laughs> so it's great that you've, you've, uh, you've come out this morning and you're here with us. God bless you. And uh, we just, it's great to gather together and it's a, to me it's a fantastic day to be here. Today we begin a new series called Bridges. It's with this idea of building connections that count, bridges. One of the beautiful accents to the landscape of our city is the two bridges that span Halifax Harbor. I mean, I, I love the views. I, I love the testimony of accomplishment uh, that, an engine, that the, a bridge is, that engineering feat to be able to, to put something up like that that we can travel across. It, wasn't, it was probably a couple months ago I was coming across the bridge. Traffic was kind of slow, and it was one of those really windy days, like the wind was just howling. And so we, we, I got about halfway across, and traffic basically stopped. And it was the coolest thing because I was sitting there, and I realized as I looked at the horizon that it was just going like this. And I'm like, oh, man. It's like, see, because I know... I put some faith in the engineers. Now, I know they're not perfect, but I recognize that that bridge was built to move. But at the same time, you know, it was, it was also engineered to support the weight that was on it and the people going across, and, you know, we all hope at least, right? But I, I love I the bridge and, and traveling across it. I love, I happen to live on the Dartmouth side, and so I travel the bridge pretty much on a daily basis, like boom, back and forth all the time. And yes, it can get a little congested sometimes, especially when somebody puts a nine-foot truck through an eight-foot hole or tries to and it doesn't quite work. But it does get congested at times. But I still love the commute. I love coming across the bridge. I love the views. I can still remember the moment uh, a year and a half ago or just about a year and a half ago it was the Sunday morning of our first, Debbie and I uh, and, and Colin, and I think, yeah, no, Julie wasn't with us, but the, Debbie and I and Colin, we were coming across to our first official service to be the pastors at Faith Tabernacle Church. And I can still remember that moment of crossing the bridge and how kind of meaningful it was to me personally because it was like it was almost like the sense of of a new beginning and new adventure and the different things that, that go with that and it's like yeah I was just crossing the bridge it's like I'd done it many many times before but there was something symbolic about that crossing over that was that impacted me and I really uh, appreciated that moment a bridge by definition like what, okay bridge what where is he going here First of all, in its simplest form, a bridge is something that connects. It's a structure built to allow passage over an obstacle or a barrier. Sometimes we use it as a verb. We, we bridge something, and to bridge something is, is to connect and, and get over something. It's used in, as a metaphor at times. There's times when we, many of you may have heard the saying, don't burn your bridges. And it's that idea of, of not too quickly throwing away relationships or, or connections or, or alliances that we have and things that we've done. Don't do that too quickly and make it so that you can't return the way that you came. Another one that sometimes comes up is, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. 
often spoken by a visionary who has got this great thing way in the head and is like somebody comes up with all the problems and reasons why we can't do it, right? And then you're like, it's okay, no problem. We're, we're going, this is where we're going. We'll cross that bridge when we get there with the idea of we will face those challenges and obstacles when they come and we'll find a way to get over them at that point. I believe that we are in a season of bridge building at Faith Tabernacle Church, both as individuals and as a corporate body. This analogy or metaphor, I mean, it could be taken many, many different ways, but I want to focus on bridges as religional, religional. That's relational, and oh my goodness, I'm combining words already. Chorkles. Um, <laughs> okay, it's an analogy or metaphor, could go in many ways. I want to focus on bridges as relational connections between us in the context of the local church. Okay, so this morning, when I'm talking about bridges, when I'm talking about those relational connections, I'm thinking of it in, in the context of the local church. We are a congregation. We are a community. We are faith. We are people connected in many different ways. Those connections, those bridges are extremely important. We need each other. We were meant for community. We were meant to connect. This idea of being connected was God's idea from the very beginning. We can read in the book of Genesis that God created the world and he saw that it was good. He created Adam and he said it was very good. Then Genesis chapter 2 in verse 18. So God is, he's created the universe. He's, he's created Adam and he goes, man, this is good. Like this is very good. And then he looked at it and he said this. The, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. That's the NIV. Or if you look at it in the NLT, it's like I will make a companion who will help him. Adam's solitude was the first not good recorded in the Bible. Now some might think that that was just because he would never survive on his own. <laughs> and so, so God just knew that. He said, okay, we, we need to create a companion for him that's suitable. Keep this man alive. But... I would say the biblical principle we'll go with here this morning is this idea of solitude not being the good thing. There's the famous quote, and as I read it, many, you may not recognize the name, but many will recognize the quote. There's a famous quote from John Donne in his devotions written in 1624. There's actually a sermon that he was preaching. And he said, No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. It, I mean, that's such an eloquent expression of the need for the authentic community. So yes, it wasn't back in the 60s that a popular band said that no man is an island. It was actually said by somebody else first. But when we think of an island, we picture something with limited access. And... Of course, many times our minds will go to a tropical scene and you think, oh, that's wonderful. You know, to get away from everything, no cell coverage, just to be apart. And sometimes we do need our solitude, but I don't want to get sidetracked with that point because really the, the building of relational bridges or connections is, is the very essence of the church. It's the very essence of who we are as a, as a faith community. Randy Frazee has said, the development of meaningful relationships where every attender carries a significant sense of belonging is central to what is meant to be the local church. 
the development of meaningful relationships where every attender carries a significant sense of belonging is central to what is meant by the church. So the church should be so much more than a religious institution. It should be so much more than just a building. It should be a community of faith where people journey in their belief in God together. There's a psalm, that's Psalm 133, starting at verse 1. If you want to turn there, you can. It'll be up on the screens. Psalm 133, starting at verse 1. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. This is highly poetic language, okay? Like, I recognize that. I mean, to me it just sounds messy. Just saying. But to the original writers and to the original audience, this scripture, this psalm would have been packed with meaning and significance. Aaron was the head guy. He was the top priest at the time of the establishment of worship, that worship the system of worship instituted when Israel became a nation and were worshiping God in that way. As a sign of his call to lead worship, he was anointed by pouring a special fragrant oil over his head, symbolizing the Spirit of God upon him. It was powerful and it was meaningful to them to see that and be able to recognize that. The second imagery is of dew, the, the dew falling on the mountain. For us, I mean, that's no big deal. That seems kind of strange as well. But in a climate where the yearly rainfall is measured in millimeters, every drop of water represented refreshing and life and growth. So if you combine all of this, the, the writer was trying to describe the blessing of unity in the family. For there, the Lord bestows his blessings. Bridges, building connections that count, bring blessing as we understand the connection. The writer of Hebrews speaks to the need to be connected. If we look in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, and this is a big part of being connected. This is a big part of being a family. This is the power to overcome isolation. Verse 24 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I would say that this is is going further than just being in the same room. All right, it talks about gathering together. I'm talking about bridges here this morning. Bridges are not arbitrary. They convey an intentionality. They are a means of conveyance. They're, they're designed, they're built. It takes an investment. See, we, we can be in the same room and not really connect. Right? We, can just, we can just be there. Then, then there's, there's, sometimes there's an exchange or an interchange. I, I noticed it between Nathan and Heather this morning, just before the service started. There was a little bit of sign language going, they made eye contact, and it was like, hey, 
right? So there was communication that happened, and it was pretty cool. I sometimes do that with, with Jeff, who plays electric. I'll see him before the service starts, and I'll go like this, and I'll go like, you know, there's kind of that, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's kind of fun. But it takes that, that connection a little bit further. But, Corey, can I get you to step up here for a second? So we're, we've been in the same room. We're talking back and forth. But there's kind of this, this gesture that we do that is very often, you know, but, you know, you're doing good this morning? It's like you've been busy. I know there's a lot of stuff going up on, the, you know, upstairs and preparing for things. But there's that moment, you know, you kind of, you give a handshake and you, you, you really look into each other's eyes. And there's actually a connection and a bit of a, there's a conveyance there. There's like, there's this, you know, it's good to see you. There's a connection that's made. It's going further than just, hey, how you doing? That's awesome just to be able to, to do that. <laughs> there's mutual edification. There's an appreciation. And it's powerful. And, and the writer of Hebrews says to make that an even higher priority as the day approaches. And the day he's talking about is the day of Christ's return. Now, this was probably written in the vicinity of about 1,800 years ago, maybe a little more than that. So me just doing the math would say that we're actually quite a lot closer to Christ's return now than we were then. So the importance of being connected, the importance of relationship, the importance of being able to encourage one another and to gather together and be a family, I would say it's even more important now than it was then. And you kind of see that in our culture and our society. So let's build bridges. Let's be willing to connect. Let's be willing to invest. Let's be willing to extend a hand sometimes or a conversation. It's interesting in times of war, Bridges are often targets. And it's, when you see it in a, in a land battle, it, it, it kind of makes sense because if bridges are destroyed, it disrupts transportation, it isolates, it messes with the forward momentum. They blow them up. Our battle with the enemy, the enemy of our souls, a spiritual enemy that we cannot see, in that battle, relationships are often targeted because when the enemy can break those relationships, he can isolate and destroy. I mean, it makes sense. If you can divide people, if you can sow some dissension, if you can separate people from one another, if you can mess with the unity, then the enemy gets the upper hand. How beautiful when brothers dwell together in unity. You see, misunderstanding, offense, division, unforgiveness, they're the enemy's way of blowing up relational bridges to divide and conquer the family of God. We can't fall for that. When it comes to an offense, we need to be very strategic with that. That's not to belittle offenses. That's not to belittle the things that happen, the words that are said, the things that are, are real. When offense is a very real thing. And we experience that, and it hurts, and it does bring division and isolation. And there's a, there's a phrase that is often said with a hint of sarcasm. Sometimes when I say it, there's a hint of sarcasm. 
But I would like to, to redeem that. So, so this is not meant to be a slap. This, in the context of this message, is actually meant to be an encouragement. And here's the saying, and I'll say it in a very loving way rather than a very sarcastic way. This is a strategy for overcoming offense. Build a bridge and get over it. Right? We've all heard that saying, right? You know, somebody's like, like the sarcastic, okay, we'll, we'll talk about the sarcastic version, right? You know, somebody's whining about something and it's like, and it's like you're kind of like, you've, heard, you've had it up to here and it's like, okay, just build a bridge, get over it, okay? Like, so that, I don't know if I'm the only one that said that multiple times, but if, if not, that's, that's fine. But in this context, in this context, to say build a bridge and get over it is to recognize the offense. It's to recognize the division, the, ch the chasm that has been created, and to intentionally say, no, I'm not going to allow the divide to remain. I'm going to build a relational bridge, and I'm going to get over it. So church, this is a sound bite that'll probably end up somewhere. Build a bridge and get over it. There, I said it. But it's good. Build a bridge and get over it. <laughs> Proverbs 18, 19 says, An offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city, and disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. An offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city, and disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. This description in Proverbs, you know, you're picturing fortified city or, or barred gates. Now, they may indeed describe a fortress, but really the only difference between a fortress and a prison is who guards the gate. The walls, the division, the separation. The difference is who controls the gate. We may try to protect ourselves, but if bitterness or offense holds the keys, then we may have created a prison of our own design thinking we were building a fortress. Now, if you're in that place of protection, that's not to say that that's not a common response. It's not to, to say, you know, it's not to belittle someone and say, well, you're an idiot for doing that. That's not the case. Like, we, we all do it to some extent. We withdraw sometimes or we build walls. But if we're not careful, those walls that we build to try to protect ourselves, thinking that we're building ourselves a castle, may in the end become more of a prison. Matthew 5.23, because this is where it starts to affect us in our corporate worship as we gather together. Even like this is in a church setting. It's the temple, but it's similar. Jesus is teaching and he's been going down. This is Matthew 5. And he's been teaching his followers, and he's been teaching about, you know, this whole section is where the Beatitudes is, and the, all the different things, the Sermon on the Mount, are all in this Matthew chapter 5. And at one point, he's teaching them, and he says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, so this was temple worship, if you're, if you're offering your gift at, at the altar, 
and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your, leave your gift there in the front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother and then come back and offer your gift. You know, Jesus is saying in a, in a different way, it's this idea of building a bridge and getting over the, the offense, the, the, the brokenness, the disruption in community, and then be able to worship from that. He says, like, this is important. He said, leave, your, leave it there. Like, just go fix that relationship. Like, oftentimes we approach it from that place of, well, as long as this is good, then that's all that matters. Well, there's context. This is very, very, very important. Our relationship with God is very, very important. But it is not in complete isolation and separation from our relationship with each other. And Jesus was highlighting this here. He's like, guys, if you can't get along with each other, if there's things going on, if there's a, if there's a breakdown in the community, he says, it's important to fix that, even to the point of interrupting our, your worship to God to be able to fix it. I mean, that's, that's a pretty big deal when I think about it. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, Paul gets to the point. He gets right up in their face, Ephesians 4, 31. And he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Every form. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Yeah. Just as Christ forgave you. I think we kind of that's context, right? <laughs> because how did how did Christ forgive us? Was it because we deserved it? Was it cuz because we had everything figured out first? Had we when Christ forgave us in the way that he did at the time that he did? Just as he did that, undeserving but complete, undeserving but, but powerful, just as Christ forgave you. And then he says, be imitator, imitators, imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Building connections and maintaining connections is an investment. It requires something of us, but it's worth it. It requires meeting halfway. It's like don't always expect the other person to initiate those connections. And I believe there's an accountability that goes with it. Sometimes I think we avoid relationships because, eh, or, or that connection that's beyond surface because we're actually opening up our lives and allowing other peoples to see it. But there's no real connection without authenticity if we're not prepared to be real. If we pretend that we are something that we are not, then, we're not, then we are actually building walls, not building bridges. If what we are saying, our words, doesn't line up with how we operate on a daily basis, our actions then there's little chance of real connection. Kerry Newhoff, he's a church leader guru from Ontario. He said this, he says, I find the more humility I add to my words, the smaller the gap is between who I am and who I say I am. 
When you admit your shortcomings, you build a bridge between you and others. There's an authenticity required. There's, there's, a, there's a need to be transparent. If someone were to build a real bridge, like an engineer, construction, like the whole deal, if, if it's not built on reality, if it's not built on the understanding of what is there, if, if there's no investigation, if there's no pulling back the surface, the, you know, the, the topsoil, to find out what's under that, if there's not a sense of, of vulnerability of the terrain, then the risk is you're, building a, you're, you're trying to build a structure on something that won't, up, won't uphold it. Won't stand, it won't stand because there's no... You know what I mean? It, it, it's just you're not, it's not being built on something firm. And it, if, we, if we deny who we are, then I believe it affects those relationships. But just as Christ accepts us as we are, we're called to accept each other as we are. It's not to lower the standard, it's just to be in a place of recognition and openness and vulnerability and authenticity. The more humility I add to my words, the smaller the gap between who I am and who I say I am. When you admit your shortcomings, you build a bridge between you and others. We're about to go back into worship here this morning. And worship is, is a beautiful interaction between us and God. And it's a way for us to open up our hearts before Him and make some connections on that level, to be in a place of, of, of really being honest and authentic and open with God, or I believe it should be. We pour ourselves out. We make ourselves vulnerable before Him. And depending on where we're at, that's easier to do for some than others, but it requires an intentionality. But just as Jesus challenged his followers in Matthew chapter 5 to pause the worship experience and get right with your brother, I wonder if there may be some folks here this morning that a broken relationship or an offense or bitterness has come in and that it's either something that you've committed or it's been, you've been on the receiving end of it and you've experienced that. And it's affecting your worship. It's affecting when you gather together. It's affecting when you try to open up to God. And today you're making a decision to do something about it. You recognize it's time for you to build those relational bridges and get over it. It's time to, to reestablish or to reinforce that relationship with God and lean in and be vulnerable before Him. For others here this morning, maybe you realize that you've avoided the accountability that goes with building relational bridges. And, and it's time to be less of an island and more part of the continent. <laughs> You know, it talks about how good it is for brothers or sisters to dwell together in unity. There, God commands a blessing. It's that idea of like, no, I'm not just going to show up. I'm not just going to be in the room. I'm not just going to be um, here but not here. I'm going to make an intentional uh, effort to connect with others. 
It could be a conversation. It might be a handshake. You know what I mean? It might be the beginning of something. I mean, for some people here this morning, a handshake might be huge. It could be something as simple as becoming part of a life group here at Faith. Life groups are, are groups, um, sm- smaller groups of, you know, up to 12 or, well, some of them are up to 20-something, but that's another story. So but different groups that, that meet in convenient places around our city of different types that provide an opportunity for people to come together and build some relationship and to do life together and walk this faith journey out in the context of community. Something that's closer, more connected than even what we can on a Sunday morning. Now you can do that back at Faith Next, which is back here in this left hand, if you're facing the back, left hand side, where there's information about life groups. You can do that at Faith Next. For others here this morning, maybe you're in a place where you've got the healthy bridges, you know, you've, you've got good friendships, you're connected, you, you know, it's good. And you might be feeling like there may be someone in your world, they may even be here at Faith, that could use a friend that isn't connected, that finds it difficult to connect. And you've kind of recognized it, but you haven't taken seen it as something that you're responsible for yourself. I mean, that's somebody else's job. That's the pastor's job. (laughs) Yes and no. The recognition of those around us, and maybe you're recognizing that and you say, hmm, I can be a bridge builder this morning, or I can be a bridge builder this week, or I can be a bridge builder going forward. I can initiate some things. I can reach out a hand. I can begin that process of building a bridge with someone that maybe isn't as connected as they need to be. Extend a hand to someone this morning. Invite someone to coffee. Let's consider how we may spur one another forward towards love and good deeds. That we can be more than just in the room. Because I believe it affects so many things going forward. Can we stand This is the first of three in this series. And I wanted to bring that context, that understanding of of how we connect to one another. Because one of the next emphases I want to actually touch on is this idea of connecting with our city. Connecting with those not here yet. Connecting with those outside of our walls. And in order for that to be truly effective, connecting with the outside world and and bringing people that are outside in, if this isn't a place where they can connect when they get here, we're building a bridge to nowhere. It's like those places where there's waterways and the bridge that that ships come in and out of. Halifax Harbor is awesome because it's really deep and we've got high bridges they can travel under them, but there's other places where the bridges are lower and they actually have to turn the bridge to get a boat through. So if we can't get the connections here, if we, if, we, if we fail to see the importance of community and authenticity in here, when we build those bridges to the community, it's going to be like the, the bridge is going to be open. And we're just, you know what I mean? So let's make sure that we're in that place. This matters. And it matters to our future. It's so important, I believe, as we build those bridges that there's an intentionality to it. So let me pray for you. God, I thank you. Lord, that you reached down and you built a bridge to us. 
But God, you also call us to be in connection with one another and to be in authentic relationship, a relationship that actually allows for the exchange of honest feedback back and forth where we can be real with one another. We can be connected. We can actually encourage one another, build one another up. We can be vulnerable and grow together. And Lord, where there's been hurt, where there's been bitterness, where there's been brokenness in relationships, God, I pray for your healing. God, there's some hurts that only you can fix. And God, I pray for your your healing power in the midst of that. You would bind up broken hearts. That you would give people the strength to overcome the offense. To be able to build a bridge and to get over it, Lord, in the most precious way. May that bridge begin with you, O God. That we can begin to open up our lives and to live in true community. God, we thank you for the power that you are having at work in us, that we'd be a place of real community. Help us, God. Help us to get over it quickly. Help us to to be real. Help us to release those things. And and Lord, to to be in a place where we recognize when we've offended, that we can initiate healing. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.